Buds and Blue Jays. Your place for everything related to the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's your hosts, Jesse Burrell and Riley McConnell. Now let's get on with the show. Good evening, Blue Jays fans. It is Thursday, September 24th. I am Jesse Burrell. That is Isaac Bass joining us here today. And welcome to episode 136 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. We have a lot to get to on this show. The Blue Jays finished our road portion of the 2023 regular season, winning two out of three games at the Trop in Tropicana Field. And boy, it feels good to be able to say that knowing our history at the Trop. We will get into that series against the Tampa Bay Rays, including standout performances from George Springer, some interesting guys in the the bullpen and Vladimir Guerrero hitting some home runs and so, so, so much more. But first, remember our show is free. We're available on all platforms. So please like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or anywhere you can find your podcast. You can find us here at Buds and Blue Jays. So make sure you gear with us for the long playoff run we are about to go on. With that being said, Isaac, what's up, man? How are you today? I'm doing good for all people who have lost track of uh, days since COVID. It is not Thursday. It is yes. Sunday. So you're not going crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am doing good. What a series should have been a sweep, but we're going to stay positive and be happy that it was our first series win since I believe 2021 in Tropicana field. Mm-hmm. So uh, things are good. What about you, Jesse? How are you feeling? Feeling fantastic. And I've got numbers to back it up how we should all be <laughs> feeling as a Toronto Blue Jays fan right now. I usually start these episodes by asking the simple question, are we going to make the playoffs? But I don't think I need to ask that question anymore, Isaac, because things seem to be good based on the numbers in the six games left. Like the Blue Jays have a 98.4% chance of making the playoffs, which is outstanding compared to what we had after the Texas series when we were down to 33% and hell, we were having a funeral basically for the Toronto Blue Jays on this very podcast. So I'm safe to say that that is not going to happen. As things stands right now, going into the off day on Monday, the Jays have a 75% chance of ending up in that second wild card spot and ending up in that third wild card spot 23.6% of the time. The odds of the Toronto Blue Jays, Isaac, to win the World Series as of right now, according to fan graphs, is 7%, which is tied with Baltimore and third highest in the whole American League, leaps and bounds ahead of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays there. So what's your thoughts on that? The websites are feeling good about our Toronto Blue Jays right now. First of all, I'm very happy that it was a sweep for the Texas Rangers, which mm-hmm. I called. I also called a win. So, hey, things are looking up after some disastrous calls by me. And Jesse, you tweeted out your personal picks. I know on Twitter from the start of the season of who you thought. Now you did well in the American League. Your National League was an absolute yeah, disaster. A disaster. But we can ignore that. Um, yeah, we're 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 gonna make the playoffs, and I I hope I don't have to eat my words. Um, but it's looking really good right now. I, it's interesting because I was actually gonna bring it up on the last podcast of how I don't know if it was Fangraphs, but it was um the Vegas odds actually had us. I think it was seventh or eighth behind the Mariners, behind the Ranger, uh, the Texas Rangers, and behind the Astros, all and. Now, apparently, I guess we've moved up just from that one series win. I guess all it took was us to finally win a series in the drop to get some World Series odds going. But, I mean, it makes me feel good because everything that we wanted this team to show, the big bats are finally producing. We'll get to the um, breakout performance today by Vladimir Guerrero and George Springer. And our pitching is still – our pitching Mm -hmm. didn't have the best series, but we still – held it down when it mattered 
Uh, we'll get to game two as well, but I'm trying to say positive. <laughs> That's right. Anytime the Toronto Blue Jays win a series, there are usually more good things that happen than bad things that happen. But before we dive in deep into that series here, I want to talk a little more about what comes next here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Because as things stand, we have one more homestand left. We have an off day Monday, three games against the Yankees, and then three games against the Tampa Bay Rays. So based on what our record is in these games is basically how we can do. If we go three and three, Split these literally next six games. The Blue Jays are in. That gives us 90 wins. They can't catch us. If we go two and four, that's a 99.8% chance, basically 100. In fact, even if we go one and five, we still have a 90% chance. And even if we don't win a single game for the rest of the regular season, the Blue Jays still have a greater than 50% chance, just shy of 54% chance of making the playoffs. So we can almost take things easy here in this next six stretch and almost... I don't want to say throw games to choose our opponents because once you do that, you've already lost. You're in trouble. Don't do that. You want to be playing well going into these final games here. But the Blue Jays do have some luxury of if they're getting a spot late in the Tampa Bay series, they can rest some players. They can, because we mentioned last episode, a lot of these Toronto Blue Jays players are dealing with something. Like we're not convinced Bo Bichette's fully healthy. We're not convinced Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is fully healthy. I doubt we think anyone on this team is fully healthy this late in the year. So that does give the Blue Jays some added flexibility going into this last week of the season. Yeah, and it's uh, it's encouraging that we're looking at a very likely series with the Rays in the first round, and we finally win at the drop and beat good pitching as well, like yeah. uh, getting against Glasnow too, who we will be playing uh, in the first round if, if that's who uh, we end up going against. Um, yeah, everything is looking positive it's crazy because i know you guys i think you even called your episode something about like the is this the funeral for the blue jays or something like that and it's crazy how things have turned but i wouldn't hate on anybody who were giving who the fans that were booing the jays or every blue jays channel that was saying this is the end of the season because they were awful yeah and look bad too they looked bad yeah they look like they didn't care i think i said that on the one the one episode they just look like they didn't care but now in the dugout, I mean, you saw that was one of the best moments of the series was George Springer's uh, inside the park home run, which we will get to. But everyone in that dugout just looked so fired up for him. There was hugs, there was high fives. It looked like the Blue Jays of last year where everyone was actually having fun a little bit and everyone was fired up. So that was really good to see because you've been questioning a little bit. Well, have you questioned the locker room chemistry this year? A bits and pieces a little bit. And I we've talked about it before, but I think it's more on the manager coming back and talking about the team. I do think that um, every single clubhouse you have is going to, I don't think every clubhouse is a hundred percent tight. And I don't think every clubhouse is a disaster and falling apart. I think it's just more based on the performance on the field. If you're winning, you're going to have a good clubhouse. If you're losing, you're not going to have a good clubhouse. It, with the exception of one or two bad eggs in there ruining and I guess for everyone else. But uh, that's kind of my thought on clubhouse chemistry there. I'm not worried. I don't think it's an issue for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be worried. Um, but let's let's get to these games, Jesse. Let's uh, let's go over them. Okay, let's do just that. It's time for the Bods and Blue Jays game recaps. The Blue Jays did win two out of three in game one of this series here. The Blue Jays won six to two over the Tampa Bay Rays. They gave up a run early and Glasnow looked like he was on, but then the Blue Jays were able to score six or sorry, four runs in the top of the six to get a commanding lead and capitalizing on some wildness from Tyler Glasnow and the Rays pitcher. We ended up getting uh, two RBIs from Dalton Varsho and uh, two run home run from him in the ninth to really add some insurance. Jordan Romano got the last four outs of that game to seal down the victory. Game two, which was a wild 
solid one. The Blue Jays lose this game to the Rays 7-6. to six. The Jays were down 4 nothing early after Hunjin Ryu had a little bit of a home run problem, and they were down 5 nothing. but the Blue Jays came storming back. In the sixth inning, they scored four more, and they end up scoring two more in the top of the eighth to take a lead, but then Jordan Romano came in in the ninth, and after working uh, four hours the night before, was not able to get the save. It is the fifth, I believe, sixth or seventh blown save of the season for Jordan Romano, and the Jays end up losing this game 7-6, to six. and the Jays needed to win a rubber match, and they did just that as uh, Yusei Kikuchi and the boys got the job done. The Blue Jays went nine to five. Again, they gave up a run in the first inning, but they answered back earlier in this one, putting up five in the top of the second. And that was pretty much all they needed. They had an insurance runs along the way, including some of the ninth. Vladimir Guerrero had two home runs. George Springer had that inside the park home run and Bo Bichette had a home run in the loss there. So after this series, the Blue Jays stand with a record of 87-69. We're not winning the division. We're 10 games back, but the Blue Jays have actually sold themselves solidly at third place in the division. They can't move up past the Rays and the Yankees can't catch them. So that's where we're going to be for the rest of the season. A lot of standout performances. Isaac, who gets the first one coming out of the series? Uh, well, I think it was Riley last episode who had Springer as his pick to click. And mm-hmm. I, maybe it's going off some recency bias, but this game, that's what that one inning was absolutely insane with his throw out, his diving catch. And then is inside the park home run. And it's stuff like that that we haven't gotten throughout the season from our big boys, right? Because we had runners in scoring position. I will add, with two outs, that entire um, second or third inning happened today. And that was good to see that we are hitting in scoring position from guys that traditionally aren't the guys like Dalton Barshow hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, So my standout, from the series was George Springer. And then also I just want to touch on because I've been hard on him all season. Uh, I was actually just going to start calling him Guerrero instead of Vladdy because he doesn't deserve the nickname, but I'm going to go back to calling him Vladdy Mm -hmm. because two home runs today off line drives and finally putting some of that um, exit velocity to good use instead of just uh, (laughs) in the infield. So those are my two standout performance who have been off and on this season. Two things I loved, um, Vladdy hitting a double dong in game three of this series. He's quietly got five home runs now over the last uh, two weeks, I believe it is. He's now got 25 home runs on the season, which I know it's been a down year for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but if this is what a down year looks like, I think that's going to be okay. And what I love the most, Isaac, is the two pitches he hit for home runs. They were... One was a changeup, one was a fastball. Both were in the middle of the plate. But how many times this year have we seen Vladimir Guerrero either just get under that pitch or hit it on the ground to third base on that pitch that is middle, middle of the plate? It was nice to see him finally doing damage on that. And we're going to need that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as we get into the playoffs here. And going on George Springer here, uh, Isaac, he did it all. He had the inside the park home run. He also made a diving catch in right field. And then he popped up and immediately threw the ball in to prevent the runner from moving up another base too. I think he had another great play in there. I know in game Game one of the series, he scrambled back to third base and put his head on third base, taking a pillow. George Springer really showed all five tools that you can show from a major league baseball player in this series. And I kind of like to see this now as we're going into the postseason where George Springer has been a known postseason performer. This is exactly the kind of sign you want to see going into the big games here. Yeah. And just to touch on Vladdy, another little thing that kind of went under the radar is four walks this series. Mm-hmm. Um, it, th- that's big too because uh like it was kind of like glasnow didn't even really want to like maybe he was wild but it seemed like he was just like pitching outside away from vladdy which is nice to see that maybe he's inspiring a little bit of fear again yes in good. people be- that'll be huge 
yeah, that wakes up the rest of the order. But it's also maybe that he has Kevin Biggio hidden behind him, which maybe the <laughs> league still doesn't believe in him too much, even though he's proven them wrong time and time again. I flash back to the old picture of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats back in 2018 when there was a young Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a Boba Shett, and Kevin Biggio all sitting on the bench. <laughs> and it was the picture of this is the Blue Jays trio. This is what it's going to be. And boy, they took a long way to get there. But it sure looks like it now within the order today. Bichette was hitting second, Guerrero hitting third, Biggio hitting fourth. And it's uh, what Blue Jays fans in 2018 could have looked up and dreamed for. Before we move on to another player, Isaac, I want to ask you, where would you rank the inside the park home run on the most exciting plays in baseball? Um, I would rank it under anything that's clutch. Okay. Because even a single up the middle that wins a game, right? Like even Brandon Lowe, if you're a Rays fan, like that beats out inside the park home run for sure. me, just because you're like, the game is what ends up matters. You can hit inside the park home run and lose nine to one. Right. Uh, but what's your answer? So it, uh, inside the park home runs are wild because they're so rare. I might be a little different here, but I get so much satisfaction from seeing an around the horn double play, like a five, four, three double play mm. hit hard, turned around the thing. And I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm a sucker for a good sacrifice fly. Like put a runner on third, get a fly ball to the outfield. The runner goes, the ball goes at that same time. And for that split second, the runner goes down the line. You really get the butterflies. Like, is he going to be making? Is it going to be close? Mm -hmm. What's it going to be like as the throw there? And those are kind of the things. But as a pure Blue Jays fan, I love seeing whatever helps the Blue Jays win. So <laughs> I am uh, very much into that as well. But it's I would say, I would say if Kirk hit it inside the park home run, that would be the most single exciting play in baseball. Throughout history, probably it would have there would have to be some crazy shit that went on if that was yeah. happening. Number one, Bartolo Colon's home run against the Padres. Number two, mm -hmm. an Alejandro Kirk inside the park home <laughs> park run. Home run. Yeah. Maybe this postseason is that what we'll get to. Yeah. I wanted to talk about another player here who has really impressed me. Actually, honestly, since we got him from the trade deadline, and Isaac, have you looked up how Jordan Hicks has done since he's come over to the Toronto Blue Jays? I have not. Okay, two fourteen ERA, and the number that struck out the most. Well, yes, the number that stood out the most for me. <laughs> no Freudian slip yeah, there. Yeah, is his strikeouts, which he's got a 4.0 strikeout to walk ratio. And I remember when we called him or we traded for him from the St. Louis Cardinals, we're like, oh, the stuff is nasty. He throws 102. He's going to be really good. He's got a bunch of saves for the Cardinals, but he does have that walk problem before. He, you know, sometimes he really does struggle um, with bases on balls, which can really, you know, hurt a reliever late in game. It really hasn't seemed to be much of a problem here for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, Relieving relievers' performance is so much more important as we get into the postseason when starters are getting pulled early. Not really many starters are getting to see the second or third time of the lineup. So having a guy like Jordan Hicks come in and be that automatic guy in the postseason is going to do wonders for the Toronto Blue Jays come October. And I can't wait to see what he does for this team. Yeah, and I actually had a little question for you, Jesse, because we were talking about relievers and how we ranked them. Mm -hmm. um, and we forgot to mention Chad Green. And yes. he had another good performance this series with three Ks. Uh, like, how do you rank him right now? Because he had that blow up, which really hurt his ERA. It probably ruined his ERA for the rest of the year on his first game. But ever since, he's been great. So how do yeah. you rank him? And I think that Jordan, uh, John Schneider, too, has seen this. And he's been giving him a lot more high leverage uh, work, honestly. Um, I was thinking I would put him probably third as of right now. Mm. Maybe maybe Mesa ahead of him, depending on the situation, situation. that you need Mesa right. for, right? But I really think the Blue Jays really like what they've seen out of Chad Green. Now, the caveat, it's 10 innings pitched. So 
do with that what you will. But his last start, his, his appearance against the Rays in this series, he got five outs, three of them by strikeouts. His previous one before that against the Yankees, he had one inning, he struck out two of them. His previous outing before the Red Sox, he struck out two of them. In fact, he's only allowed one hit now in his last five appearances with no walks and seven strikeouts. Like, that'll do. That is what a nasty reliever can do. And I still don't think to this day he has allowed an earned run at Rogers Center in his career, which is a stat I will bring up. Oh, no, he did in the Texas series. Scratch that. Mm. That stat is over. But uh, still, no one played good that series. Yeah, yeah, no exactly. one played that good series. Doesn't and that's okay with me. And I think with Chad Green, you mentioned, if I'm remembering at the start of the year, we have like an option on him where he can be a Blue Jay going forward for a few years now. So, uh, you know, that would be really nice to see. He solidifies the bullpen and a full year with Chad Green would be absolutely amazing. The other one that I just want to briefly touch on, I know we talked about Yenesis Cabrera. He came in, he's been used a lot less, especially with how big yeah. the games are. But once again, came in in a good spot, got a uh, got a K and uh, it's nice to see him as another trade deadline acquisition. Who's done really well. Probably. I think him and Jimmy Garcia and maybe Trevor Richards are probably the first man out of the bullpen, depending on how things go. And we're going to talk about the starting rotation a little bit later here, but um, you say Kikuchi, Hunjin, Ryu have had a very short hook. And I'd imagine that hook is going to be even shorter when we get into postseason games. So I think these guys like Genesis Cabrera, like uh, Jimmy Garcia, who did get roughed up a little bit in the, the game three today, are going to matter so much more and kind of be a swing way of if these guys are good, it'll give the Blue Jays bats time to score some runs. And if these guys are bad, the Blue Jays are going to be fighting out a hole. And it's really going to go out to determine how well this Blue Jays team. I put these three guys as almost X factors for the Blue Jays mm-hmm. to go into this place, this playoff season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. All right. Do so you want to get into what John Schneider did in game two here with the whole Jordan Romano maneuvers there? Yeah, um, I guess my it's one of those things where if it had worked, it would have been great. It's one of those things where you look back on and it's like, I guess that's what makes a manager great is just being able to make the small decisions that could kind of go either way and make them better more often than not. And it seems this year that it has been the opposite for John Snyder. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that could be, I don't know how much luck is involved with that. Like Jordan Romano is our closer. He should be able to go in and close it out. However, you have a guy which is great against lefties with low coming up. Mm-hmm. who could come in, especially because Romano had an injury. Like, I think they talked about it, it was on Friday's game where he was something to do with his finger. Correct. And it's like, yeah. if you have an injury and you have a guy who specializes against less lefties, especially, I think they still showed a stat before Brandon Lowe won the game of him being the best with runners in scoring position in the entire American league at like a 444. Like, it's, I guess we look back on it now and we say, well, obviously put in Mesa. At the time, I wasn't screaming at the TV saying, put in Mesa. I'll just say that. But if, I don't know, I I, I still, I think that he's made a lot more small mistakes than those small plays that are like, wow, like putting in Kevin Biggio for Matt Chapman. That was a great move. Yes. But I feel like there's been fewer of that than there has been blowups where it's just like, come on, man, what are you doing? What are your thoughts? True or false, Isaac, if we had a better manager, the Blue Jays would have clinched a playoff spot already by now. I think true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's true too. Although I can't prove that, but I do yeah. think that is true. Um, but go, touching on your point on Romano there, I'm with you. They talked exclusively about the finger issue and you saw it on the mound. Like I think after he gave up the double to lead off the ninth, like Pete Walker came to the pitching mound and they were looking at Jordan Romano's finger and they were talking about it. And 
okay, that's one thing, right? He was still throwing strikes. His stuff still looked okay. Didn't look that bad. So maybe you'll leave him in there. But the fact that he also got four outs on the game before, you bring him in on back-to-back. And I understand he didn't work quite a while before then. But you had the guy up and ready to go. Tim Mays is able to get that out. I do think that was a mistake from John Schneider. And also, while we're on the point of John Schneider too, in game one against Tyler Glasnow, he prioritized his lineup based on guys who could make contact because they knew Tyler Glasnow has great stuff. So I guess in theory, putting the bat on ball would make good. So he put guys like Alejandro Kirk was hitting fifth. I think Espinal was in the lineup that day um, and all that stuff, which I get what you're trying to do here. But Glasnow's best pitch is his fastball. And these guys are not good hitters against the fastball. So I didn't love the way how John Schneider um, built his lineup in game one. Now, it didn't matter. The Blue Jays won. So I guess all is well that ends well. But I had that thought and how that might affect things as we get into the playoffs. Yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, I, I, I am I am much... I Now, I know there's a whole analytics department. And who knows how much... The people at the top are telling John Snyder what exactly to do with his lineup day in day out, right? Like, how much control does he actually have over everything? When anal- he's continuously after the game said, "Well, the analytics said this." When he wasn't playing Schneider, for example, he was saying, "Well, the analytics don't back up that we play Schneider against this type of pitcher." And I, I, I sometimes wonder how much control he has over stuff like that. Right. Um, but I mean, that goes back to like don't you want to have a manager who is basically making the decisions and has the say and says like, no, this is what's happening. And I I mean, we can go back and forth on that, but I think overall, like things worked out. I I know what you're saying in terms of, yeah, I just think we go a little bit too off of analytics and we're not playing the hot hand. And I think if you have guys that are playing hot, you play them. Mm-hmm. Although this brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you, because we talked last episode or the episode before about Davis Schneider. And I said, I don't want him out of the lineup. Now he only played one game and he's over 30, I believe in his last 30 at bats. At what point do you say, okay, Davis, like you, you did what you needed to do for the month. You were amazing. All-star level player. Maybe it's time that especially with Brandon belt coming back that we use you in less leverage and see what happens. Yeah. I'm still not sold on um, the cold streak that Davis Schneider is going on here. I know over 30 looks terrible. I know George mm-hmm. Springer had a similar streak earlier in the year. You could make the argument that um, while well, he was just so damn hot when he first got here, that he had to get so damn cold just to have it even out. I did not expect the regression to come instantly just like that. But if you look over that 0 for 30 stretch, Davis Schneider still had multiple baseballs. I think he's lined out directly to the right fielder twice. I know he's hit a ball over 400 feet. That was caught at the warning track. I was at a game. He had a 110 mile per hour where the third baseman leaped and caught it. Like, yes, the strikeouts aren't good. And I think that's what John Schneider sees and knows like he's not walking as much and the strikeouts are are, are approaching up. So there are some uncompetitive at bats. If you want to play the hot hand approach right now, I could understand, but um, I think when you get into the playoffs and there are numbers that back this up, hitting for home runs and getting offense out of home runs is going to be a more effective way to score runs in the postseason. Cause you're dreaming. If you think you're going to get three straight hits off of Tyler glass now, or mm-hmm. um, whoever else you might play. Like I think last year in the postseason, over 50% of the runs came via the home run and that's how you're going to do it. So Davis Schneider is one of the easy three or fourth best players of actually being able to run into a home run on this team. And I want that guy in my lineup as we get to the postseason. So I want to give him a run here these last six days, see if he can get hot again and see if he can carry us in the postseason. 
Yeah, I literally watched like a compilation of his hard hit balls over his over yeah. 30 streak. And it was like half of them that were just like lined out directly. And I mean, we, we we've given Dalton Varsho, who's had strikeout probs the whole year, time to figure it out. Now, granted, his defense is elite, but I mean, like I, I'm I'm totally on the same page with you with David Schneider. I still want to see this guy in the lineup because he's shown what he can do and he can play basically every position, which is great about our team right now. So many guys can play basically every position. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Blue Jays wanted when they developed uh, these guys coming up. You did mention Brandon Belt. I don't know the exact date he's coming back, but he is coming back soon. And let's not forget, since the first month of the year, Brandon Belt has a 151 WRC plus. He might be our actual best hitter on this team. So that'll be very nice to get back into the lineup here. Um, Isaac, I want to turn things over to the starting rotation and what a segment I'm going to call the starters report TM very unofficial. Um, But I want to talk about the three guys who pitched in this series and how they line up going into the postseason here. Chris Bassett, six and two thirds, two hits, two earned runs, no walks, eight Ks, 88 pitches, eight hard hits allowed. He was very good. He had his career high 15th win. He'll have a chance at 200 innings pitch in his next start. Hunjin Ryu, we mentioned in the game recaps, not as good. Four and a third, seven hit, five earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. I think he gave up four home runs as well, did Ryu. And Yusei Kikuchi, four innings, nine hits, three earned runs, no walks, seven Ks, and was pulled in the fourth inning after only his 73 innings pitched. But that the way the schedule kind of lines things up for these six games here is I believe we've got, um, yes, we have Kevin Gosman going tomorrow, and then Barrios, Bassett, Ryu, and Kikuchi, which the way it lines up is that Kevin Gosman is currently scheduled to start that last game of the year against Tampa Bay. I'm assuming the Blue Jays already have it clinched by then. What they'll likely do is probably put Bowden Francis, or they just called up a guy, Wes Parsons, I believe it is, from Buffalo to join their taxi squad. Maybe he starts that game. And then you get Gosman starting game one against Tampa, but how do you follow the rest of that rotation? Are you putting Barrios two and Bassett three? Or are you putting Kikuchi up there? What are you doing if you're the Blue Jays? Oh, geez. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I would go depending on if we win the first game. And I think how I would do it is if you win the first game, you put Barrios in. And if you lose the first game, you put Bassett in. Um, okay. My thought behind that is just because, like, I think Bassett, I would prefer to have in that super, like, winning, like, you need to absolutely win. Whereas I think if you win the first game and then you can kind of put Barrios in, and then if it, you lose, then Bassett's the guy in the game that absolutely matters. Um, that's kind of how I would do it. Uh, and I don't know if Kikuchi breaks my top three, honestly. As shitty mm. as that is to say, because now I know you're probably going to say different, but uh, I just... I don't know. I don't, I just don't trust him as much. I feel like he's my Barrios just like you. So how do you do it? I think you nailed it with the, we'll see what happens in game one before we start game two. If you remember last year in the playoffs in the wild card round, they had Alec Manoa start game one. And the plan was to go with Ross Stripling in game two. If they won instead, the blue Jays lost. So they went with Gosman in game two. And it turns out we lost mm-hmm. that game anyway. So it didn't matter. I think you're right. I want to see Chris Bassett go in game two. You saw what he just did against the Rays. And Chris Bassett, because he throws so many different pitches, he can really change his look or almost look like a different pitcher every single time he comes out. And the Rays and the Rays management people are so smart at trying to pick up on things a pitcher does that if you have more tools in the bag, I think you are more likely to be effective. Like, for example, after this series, I do not want to see Hunjin Ryu pitch against the Rays at all in the postseason, I think they've got him. They've got him. I don't think he pitches. I think he's done with the blue. I think he'll throw his last innings in his next game. 
yeah, or maybe he makes the playoff roster as the last guy, but I still think the Blue right. Jays might want to go with, because they have a ton of bullpen depth. They probably might mm-hmm. want to go with something like that, maybe even leaving him off the playoff roster. We will see. I want Kikuchi just because I love the strikeout potential he has. He has stopped walking people, and it's just sometimes he can get on a roll where he'll give you his five innings. He'll strike out eight, walk one, and maybe give up two hits. It's just the hits, the contact that's going to be a problem. Barrios, man. I get it. If the ground ball stuff is working and he is on, he can be really effective, but I'm still terrified of Jose Barrios. And it would not surprise me if he goes five innings, four earned runs. And next thing you know, the Blue Jays are battling from behind. And as we've learned from this season, it's tough for the Blue Jays to come battle from behind. So that's how I'd line up the starting rotation going through this last week of the season. Yeah. I wouldn't be too upset if, if it was Kikuchi or Barrios. I know at that point you would just go with the analytics. Who's, who's pitched better at Tropicana field, who pitched better against the certain guys that are going to, that you're going to go against. And either way I would be okay with whatever they decide, but they would both be on very short leashes. And that's almost definitely going to be the case. It's going to be the Blue Jays bullpen, which has had really good this year. That is going to mm-hmm. determine how well the Blue Jays do. So let's follow that down the stretch. Just some other things that caught my attention on this series. Isaac, you can comment on all or any of them. Or if you had something else that you saw that you wanted to bring up, feel free to do so. Dalton Varsho had a very heads up base running play in game I think it was game one of this series where it was bases loaded, a ground ball hit the third. He overran second base. And my first thought was, that's weird. You got to slide. But if he is safe, that gives enough time for the run to score before being tagged out, which I thought was incredible baseball mm. IQ from Dalton Varsho, which is something the Blue Jays haven't had a ton of on the bases this year. So I did really admire that. And the Blue Jays once again had the bases loaded and got hit by a pitch, which seems to be the way the Blue Jays are doing it because they have a like sub 600 OPS with the bases loaded this year. So thank God they have been hit seven times with the bases loaded this year. It is by far the most in baseball. And as mentioned, Brandon Belt returning soon were the three things I wanted to mention. Was there anything else that you saw this series that caught your attention that most fans might not have noticed? Well, I would just be curious if it's, under over 50% that those hitters uh, hit by pitches have been Danny Jansen with the bases loaded. And At least I, three, I, I think. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't say anything else really caught my attention. Uh, I mean, we were speaking the praises, or I was anyway, of Yimmy Garcia, and uh, he, he didn't pitch too, too well. But um, like, I, I think once again, Bo Bichette is showing that he's heating up a little bit, uh, which is nice. Our middle of the order looks scary again. Yes. And that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, because you can figure out the rest and you have one of the best. I mean, Kiermaier has been one of the best. I wonder what he ranks in terms of number nine hitters in the league. That'll have to be some deep dive that we do um, for the next uh, next episode. But and I mean, with Kevin Biggio, probably not your four man. It would be great to have Kevin Biggio at your seven and bring back belt. Um, and that's what I actually wanted to ask you, Jesse. Mm-hmm. If the playoffs and Brandon Belt is healthy started tomorrow and you're playing a right-handed pitcher what is your starting lineup off the top of my head we're going to go springer and right bobachet at short we're going to put vladdy at first or dh and then belts would be hitting cleanup fourth or fifth i think i want davis schneider next just because i know mm-hmm. the damage that he can could do and he has hit fastballs well in his short time up with the big leagues um who else is on this team i i want chapman hitting like oh biggio would probably go next if we find a way to get him in the lineup, which would probably mean that Varsha would be out, that Varsha would be out. And um, if Gosman's on the mound, I almost might prioritize a good defense, actually, honestly. So I might mm. put Kiermaier in center, Varsha in left, which means you are missing, yeah, either Brandon Belt or. It's, See, it's such a, a good problem to have. Decision. It, it is. is a good problem to have, for sure. We and have. Then- 
with all these situations, you're leaving Whit Merrifield out of the lineup as well, who is really good at putting bat on ball, which could play small ball, which does matter more in a postseason series. So it's very interesting choices Blue Jays have. Yeah, but it's also great to have a guy like Whit Merrifield on the bench that could comes in situationally, either as a pinch runner. Now we have Eden for that tip. He's going to be the guy that's going to go in. But like, what a great guy to have. Let's say you have Biggio and Merrifield on the bench. How many options does that open up? Mm-hmm. Or even if you have Varsho and Merrifield on the bench, how many, like, it is such a good problem to have. It's good. That is going to be tough for Schneider. And I'm sure we're going to pick apart his decisions, but even us, I know it's the top of your head. You don't have days and nights to think about it like John Schneider, but uh, that is, and putting Schneider fifth, I think is a bold move. I would, I would like to see it too, but I doubt that uh, John Schneider does that come game one of the playoffs. Oh, it's going to be a very interesting final week of the series here. Uh, Lots of things still to go. The Blue Jays playoff position seems to be in a good spot, but there is still so much going on. You want to see the Blue Jays players hit their stride. They haven't hit their stride yet all year. And it's not Mm -hmm. how you start. It's how you finish. We've gone 19 and 12, I believe, or we're on pace to go 19 and 12. If we play 500 ball the rest of this month, And that is a good sign for the Toronto Blue Jays as we head into October and into the final homestand of the year. Um, I just wanted to add some little more minor news and notes, some things that have been going down in the farm. The Buffalo Bison season is over. They finished with a 76 and 72 record. They were 13 and a half games back of the Norfolk Tides who won that division, Um, but they were much better in the second half of the season. Davis Schneider led the team with 21 home runs and uh, Domino Pellegrami led the team in OPS. Now he's only been there. For 20 games, if you go from qualified hitters, David Schneider was next, followed by Nathan Lucas. And Wes Parsons, who was just added to the Blue Jays taxi squad, led the team in strikeouts with 98. And as we mentioned last episode, we knew Ricky Tiedemann was making his uh, first start with AAA Buffalo. He did just that. Four and a third, or four innings pitch, two hits, no earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. And he gave a quote about what he thinks Blue Jays management wants to see from him going in there. And he said this. I want the higher ups in the organization want me to get deeper into games and add more innings, especially for next year, being more comfortable with a higher amount of innings. If Tiedemann, uh, uh, and then he added, even though there were a couple iffy starts this year, I think being able to end the year on a good note when it comes in and coming in every week and being able to get through your innings, I think that's huge for me, especially since I was bouncing back from an injury earlier this year. And he is very happy with how he ended the year. And we'll see him in the Arizona Fall League, which we'll talk a lot about this offseason. So any thoughts on the stuff on the farm, Isaac, or anything else you want to add? Uh, I, I, would, I think my only uh, statement on all of that is that if we don't see Jesse again on this podcast, it's because the Italians have murdered him for absolutely butchering butchering Damiano's name there. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we will have to get that right for when he hopefully makes the big leagues in the next couple of years, especially because we need those third basemen. It, I mean, what a that's another trade chip we have going forward, right? We, we have a lot of third basemen, which the league can't really say. There's, there's been a deficit of third basemen for the last few years. Um, and we're going to have Aralvis Martinez, Addison Barger, Schneider can play third base. And now Damiano, Dam- I'm not even going to say his last name because I don't want to die too. <laughs> So. <laughs> Isaac, I started out the episode by saying Thursday on Sunday. Say, yeah. so it's we, late uh, for you. It's early for me in Western in the West, but it's mm-hmm. late for you. So we'll grant you a little bit of immunity there. 
even even the podcast hosts for the Toronto Blue Jays are going through the dog days <laughs> at the end of the season here. Um, so that'll do it for our episode here today. We're hopeful to have Riley back on our next episode. And uh, yeah, we will be back to recap the Yankee series and probably get into our playoff preview. So please make mm-hmm. sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you have any questions or comments or want to see what the biggest storylines are for the Toronto Blue Jays going into the playoffs, leave a comment down below. We will get back to you or you can follow us on any of the social medias and anything else. But yeah. Isaac, anything else to add before we run out of here today? I would love to see if anyone watches this and they have their idea of who they would put in their uh, starting um, lineup for one to nine. Let's see your lineups in the comments because I'm curious because I feel like everyone could have a different answer and every single answer would be just as valid. That's a great point. I look forward to reading those. Until next time, we'll see you after the Yankee series. Let's go Blue Jays. Peace. Thanks for watching. Remember to subscribe and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and wherever else you can get your podcasts.